Welcome to day 359 of Shaped by the Word. We're in our third season together uh, doing the story of the prophets. I'm Paul here with David and Katie and Matt as uh, we continue to read through the prophecy of Joel. And of course, the feature, uh, one of the main features of Joel is how he takes the, the idea of a locust invasion and moves that into a picture of uh, armies invading uh, the nation of Israel. And of course, we can even project even further to a longer view of the ultimate judgment and ultimate you know, devastation that comes from those who have rejected God and have walked away from Him. And uh, in the same way we've talked about, you know, Katie pointed this out yesterday, that the images of restoration are, are far more than our, you know, we can wrap our minds around, but also the images of desolation are, are the same. To be separated from God and His grace has far more consequences than we could ever imagine because we mm-hmm. think of ourselves as autonomous creatures, you know, we're not you know, tied, our destinies are tied to our own self-will and our own accomplishments, but how deeply we are tied as a people to the Creator. So we continue in uh, Joel's call, uh, you know, to repentance in light of the coming judgment. And as always, uh, before, we, uh, you know, before we read, uh, we just recognize that uh, this is a deeply personal encounter with the living God who through his very breath has given us his word. And not only that, he has given those of us who are in him his spirit to minister his word to our hearts and to not only make it real in our lives, but to uh, continue the work that he desires in it. So his word is his instrument in our life through his spirit uh, to conform us into the image of his son. So there's a lot on the line uh, when we turn to the Word, when we hear the Word, and when we read it. So before we, uh, before we read, uh, we just offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord for Him to do as He would through His Word, to continue His work. So Katie, you mind lifting us up before we pray? Before sure. we read, actually. <laughs> yes, let's you pray. You can pray before you pray, too, I guess. <laughs> That's a good idea. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for these words that we get to read together today that you've gifted them to us and you've chosen to reveal yourself to us on these pages. Um, So Father, would you use these words, would you use this prophecy um, to transform us thousands of years later, um, transform us um, into the image of your son? Would you help us to see this time and treat this time as um, the gift that it is from you and not just a few minutes um, that we we need to to use so that we can check off our check off one more box um, for our day. So would you use this time? Would you meet us where we are? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we find ourselves in Joel chapter two, beginning in verse twelve, uh, reading to the end of the chapter. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and bounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may return and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assemble, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? 
Then the Lord was jealous for his land, and he took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched land and a barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pasture lands in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floor will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other, never again will my people be shamed." And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in the heaven and on the earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke. Sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So we have again the theme of uh, the great and the terrible day of the Lord, uh, and, and both of those are un, unmatched, uh, unmatched in its greatness for those uh, you know, who are longing for Him, and unmatched in its devastation for those you know have rejected Him. So we obviously find ourselves here with a very uh, you know very important passage to the New Testament, the promise that in the latter days that God will pour out his spirit and, uh, you know, that uh, everyone will reap the benefits of knowing God and everyone will minister before the Lord and everyone will be filled with the presence of the Lord. And, of course, Peter says this is what had happened on Pentecost when God, you know, did pour out his mm-hmm. spirit. So that also means that we're, we're living in the last days as well. We are benefits of the pouring out of God's spirit and we wait for the kind of fullness, you know, that's described here, you know, in Joel as well. I love even at the beginning of the section we read, thinking back to yesterday, you get the kind of the people's response, you know, hey, let's put on sackcloth, you know, let's let's begin to to lament and to mourn and to repent. And you have this this kind of you know outward symbolism that we find so often in Israel in terms of just like, you know, kind of this outer clothing they put on or rip their clothes, put on sackcloth. And yet here in verse twelve even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that's for us just a, a reminder of what true repentance is. That you know, true repentance is not rendering, you know, rending outward things, or even just shedding tears, or you know, saying sorry. Mm-hmm. But it, it has to include the heart as well. And the Lord knows our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, but the basis of that is, hey, rend, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for He is com- He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, 
abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And, and that's a big theme, you know, throughout Scripture, that the difference between an outward expression, you know, of our you know, devotion to God and a deeply inward expression. And, and, of course, we probably realize this in our own lives that sometimes, you know, the, the outside is, 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 is not a true reflection of what is going on inside. And, of course, it's that kind of consistency you know, that the Lord is looking for, mm-hmm. you know, true and deep, you know, heart, heart repentance. Mm-hmm. There's, oh, go ahead, dude. Well, I was just picking up on um, one thing I just mentioned yesterday, you know, we just saw that, you know, creation was, was suffering, but then here we even get that nod from the Lord, you know, surely the Lord has done great things in verse 22. Do not be afraid of wild animals for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. You know, the trees are bearing their fruit, the fig tree and the wine, you know, yield their riches. So, just to pick up on what I was mentioning yesterday, even creation suffering, but here, as the people are getting restored, creation is getting restored, and so just love the consistency of the biblical story there of of continuing to remind us. And in my leadership cohort, you know, we've been talking about this a lot. How for a lot of people, they view what God's kind of done in Christ Jesus as something that's just a personal thing for them, rather than realizing, oh no, this is a much bigger thing that God is doing in Christ Jesus to restore everything and. I've been talking about it a lot, but I just love the nod it gives us there to to see that he's not forgetful of these things he says he's going to do. But even the wild animals, the pastures are becoming green, yeah. mm-hmm. which is just a great so, thing of hope. Yeah. Um, I mean, that might be because I'm a worship leader, but there's um, part of this prophecy that I love, and it's starting in verse 15 where he says, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. So gather the people for a sacred assembly. There's something so deeply important about a gathering. And um, I was listening to a a podcast, the the Perry's with the Perry's. Y'all should listen to that. It's really good Um, about the church. And of course, finish this episode of Shape by the Word first. (laughs) Yeah, finish this first and then go listen to them. But they were talking about um, church and several different things about it. But Jackie was talking about just the importance of gathering um, as as a people and how we can tend to. just especially after COVID, after the pandemic, just many of us can tend to just think that we have enough with our community, with our friends who are Christians and with God, God and his word. And that's enough. Um, but there is something so deeply important about the gathering. And here we see that, I mean, God wants them to come together so that they can experience, um, well, I mean, as they as they repent and return to the Lord, experience um, this hope that He has for them together. Now that's that is a part of our rhythm in worship. We always begin with a reading of Scripture that uh, you know we've labeled a call to worship, and, and we come together. You know, not because we decided it'd be a good idea to get together, but because of God actually summons His people to be together in His presence to express. You know, in this particular instance, repentance and, and, and lamentation, mm-hmm. in other you know, instances, praise and thanksgiving, all of those yeah. are to be parts of the rhythms of our worship. Mm-hmm. But we do tend to, you know, make our, you know, community smaller and smaller and smaller and more manageable. But the call of the gospel is to be larger and larger and finally, you know, the whole earth uh, to be covered with the glory of the Lord, you know, as a waters cover the sea mm-hmm. uh, so his vision for his people and the extent of the gospel you know is so much bigger 
you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, you have, you know, the Exodus 34 kind of thing. He's gracious, compassionate, mm-hmm. love, anger. And he's a God who relents. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in that, you know, where we really see that vividly in the prophets, of course, is in the prophet Jonah. You know, where Jonah, you know, preaches, you know, to Assyrians and, and they uh, and they repent. And Jonah is so mad at God. And he said, that's why I didn't want to preach I, to him because I know I, I knew you're a God who relents. A, a God who, even though he forecasts judgment, this is the last thing that he wants to bring forward. Uh, you know, would I not rather people repent and leave? And that God is quick to respond to those who come before him with a contrite heart. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful picture, you know, that you find in here. Everyone who calls on his name. Mm-hmm. And by that, again, it's more than our words. It's a deep heart response. I've come to the end of myself, and I am throwing myself completely on you and your mercy. And those who do, you know, find the Lord's incredible uh, blessing. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for these promises. We thank you for for those things in our life that uh, you you arrange by your sovereignty that uh, see the leanness of our of our ways and the things that we trust in and what it means to wander away from you. But we thank you more than anything else for the call back into your blessing and your richness. And we're reminded of what Jesus said, that uh, as fathers love to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who call on him? And we thank you that you have blessed us with your presence, with your person, with your spirit, and through him that Christ Jesus is present with us to the very end of the age. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.